Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. We're in our uh, What Three Words series. We're in about week four. Um, I always lose track uh, of where we are in terms of the numbers, but in this series, we're looking at three words in the Bible that kind of are from a particular passage or a verse, and then we're just going to say, why is that key? Why is that something we can live our life by? And then just unpacking that a little bit. And this one is one that is probably not as common as some of the others or not as well known as some of the others. And the, the phrase that we've got is live in harmony. And it'll be a principle that we're quite familiar with, but it won't be something that you'd be like, oh yeah, that's from this Bible verse. And so we are going to unpack it. It's in Romans 12, for those of you who um, are going to look at it on the Bible. And obviously, if you've got a Bible on your phone, that's fine. I'm going to trust that you're on the Bible. That's between you and the Lord. You know, so uh, that's fine. That's not what we say to the young people. We say, put your phones down, immediately put your phones down. And then Phoebe says, but I've got the Bible up and then I'm convicted. That's right, isn't it, Phoebe? That's what happens almost every Sunday that I do. You get off your phone, Phoebe. It's the Bible. Oh, yeah, you checkmate. You win. You win. You win. Right. And so we're going to be in Romans 12. And living in harmony is quite a weird kind of thing to do because when we think of harmony, we think of oh, everybody's in agreement and everybody thinks the same. And we're going to see in this passage, it's talking about, yes, living in harmony in the church, but also how does the, the church live in harmony with the wider society in the world around it? when people actually have different ideas that will contrast with us, that will kind of clash with us. And this is written to the church in Rome that experienced that. They had division in the church between Jewish believers and Gentile believers, but they were also a bunch of Christians, really in a a non-Christian and a pagan society, in a Roman Empire society. So how do they live in harmony without just being in conflict with the Romans, wanting to overthrow the government? How do they operate as the church and yet still hold to their beliefs and still have that. And that is what we're going to be looking at. And so I think if we're not living in harmony, we sometimes think the opposite of that is to be in conflict, right? And they've been in argument, and it absolutely can be. And I think some of us think, well, I don't get in arguments. But I think another way to not live in harmony with people is that we just kind of pull away. We just pull away from the people we disagree with. We pull away from the people we're different to. And we create our own little world. And we go, that's my group. That's my tribe. I can live in harmony with these people because they're like me. They think the same. And that's more enjoyable. And for 18 months, we were legally forced to do that, right? Remember that 18 months? It was like, oh, you will not mix. And so, uh, you know, some of you had up and down, um, you know, lockdowns depending on the behavior of children, but me and Lindsay, uh, we, we smartly didn't have our child at that stage, and so uh, we didn't decide to, to do that. We just had the two of us. We had a lovely time, didn't we? Some of the things that we did, we uh, played sock crazy golf in the house. That's right. If you, can't bring you, if you can't do youth, bring youth to the house, and so we had an 18-hole crazy golf course with socks that we played all around the house. It was very competitive. Uh, it got a bit intense. Uh, it doesn't matter who won, does it, Linz? I did win, that's right, just, you didn't have to say it, but it is true. So we, uh, we were doing things like that, we were playing board games, sometimes that's just me and Lindsay, that is an overly competitive family Zoom monopoly, that was a mistake. Let me tell you, not a lot of harmony in that one, not a lot of harmony in that one, where you're trying to coordinate three monopoly boards and a Zoom, 
Nah, that was too much. We, we did a Marvel movie marathon, which many people did. It took us a lot longer than the average young person who'd blitzed them in the first three days of lockdown, going, what are you waiting for? We've watched them all already. We're on it in the second run. And we're like, well, it's been two months now. We've watched three of them. And so we're, we were really slow. Obviously, we didn't watch Thor 2. It's garbage, isn't it? And, so, uh, and then um, the other thing we did, we went for walks, and it was quite nice. And so we had a nice time, just the two of us, and the danger is, we know that we can't just have it as the two of us, but actually, with life, we can think, church is nice, I've got some good friends, why don't I just have that as my people? If I can just keep this as my life, then that's what we want. But actually, we're going to read the passage in Romans and say, actually, how do we act as the church outside of our holy huddles? How do we love people within the church, but then how do we deal with the people that are different to us? So Romans 12, 9 to 21, and it starts... Uh, with this. Oh, the projector is overheating. Oh, we saw that last week, didn't we? I think a few of us were, were going, oh, isn't it going to finish in time? It's a real, real fear, a real fear factor coming into me now. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, if it goes, I'm still going. Uh, just in case you're thinking, wait, that's an early finish. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay, so, um, right, Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It gets a little bit, I mean, that is a high bar already. Now it gets real tricky. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. That's obviously the, the bit that we're looking at there. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord's. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so the really tricky kind of stuff uh, in there. We don't like to think of wrath um, and stuff. I understand that, but... You know, we've got to see, right, how does it work? How do we love in that sincere way? And the first thing that, the, the very first thing in that whole passage is that love must be sincere. That's the first four words uh, that Paul says. And so if we were to think about in our lives, the people that love us the most, not that you love the most, but the people that love you the most, it, hopefully it's quite a similar list, I understand that, but you would probably think, right, well, it's maybe family, it's maybe friends, you know, if you, if you have a, a significant other, maybe them, that's fine, and the reason you would think that is not just because of what they say. It's not because they just tell you, although they might tell you. I'm from uh, a very northern town, and so therefore my family did not go around going, I love you, I love you. Lindsay's family from America, let me tell you, every time they leave the house, it is like we're saying goodbye for four months. And it's like big hugs, so whole hugs, isn't it? That's too, I mean, every time, like, Lindsay's sister will go around, she'll hug every single member of the family. I'm like, we're seeing you in about four hours. And literally, we we're barely got time to sleep. We're all right. And so it's just like, but they're very good at affection. My family, you just knew. You just had to know, right? You just had to know. But actually, 
that's not enough. You need to know because of the way people are to you. Now, that doesn't have to be words and hugs, but it spills out of us. If people love you, you will feel it in different ways. And Heidi Baker, a woman who's a missionary in Mozambique, she always says, love looks like something. It looks like something. It's not just words. You know, uh, I'm going to show you... Um, a video in a second. We're going to go straight to the video in a second, then just to give you a heads up, I'm shooting ahead on a, a slide here. And I'll give you an example of a guy who is very much telling people he loves them, and I think the sound quality is going to be quite poor. Just bear that in mind. I don't know if these people are going to feel that they're loved. Right. Hit us with the video. And he'd be surprised. Son, don't go to sleep while I'm talking. Hey, hey, hey. Don't, don't, don't you lay your head back. I, I'm, I'm important. I'm somebody. Now, you might do your English teacher that way, but I'm not teaching English. I'm teaching eternal life here. I love you. You know I love you. Have I convinced you I love you? Uh, yeah, you better, th you better nod your head yes. All right, come on, put it up there. All right, you stay awake and you listen to me. You say, well, he may never come back. Well, he ain't here now. And where have you been, Mr. Underwood? And I noticed on the calendar I'm supposed to marry y'all. What makes you think I'd marry you? You're one of the sorriest church members I have. You're not worth 15 cents. And you want me to marry you to her? And you want to marry him? And he don't even know where he belongs? And you don't even know where you belong? Now, uh, let me tell you all everybody here how much I love these kids. Do you know I love you, sir? Stand up, big boy. Do you know I love you? All right. All right, give me a little love. Amen. I'm the real deal. Uh -huh. All right, I know you are too, but you ain't been here. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know I love you, right? You're the sorriest member of my church. You're not worth 15 cents. I do love you. Bring it in. Bring it in is bold. Bring it in. I mean, it would have been an incredible headbutt. I know we're not supposed to take revenge, but we'd have all enjoyed it a little. Let's just say, we're all a little broken. If that guy had stuck a nut on him, we'd, we'd have gone, nah, I'm just going to smile a touch and move on. And so he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I love you, right? I love you. And everything he does is putting people down and calling them out. Of course he doesn't love those people. He knows he should, and he knows it's the right thing to say. And that is not love. Let me tell you, when I know by people in this church when I feel loved. There's, we've got a picture coming up, haven't we, Linz? And so, do you know when I feel loved? When I moan to Lucas Dewurst that I have a hedge in my house uh, that needed cutting, and I spoke to a guy, and he said it'll be 180 pounds. 180 of the Queen's pounds. She's still on the money, don't worry. I'm, I, and so, 180 pounds, I was like, oh, man. So, I'll just have to do it myself. I don't have the gear. I'll probably chop my arm off. And do you know what happens? Lucas Dewurst on a bank holiday Monday just turns up to my house and cuts down this bush, and Levi, to be fair, I'm not going to take Levi out of this, wherever, he's, he's out, isn't he? He's not even here. He doesn't care. He lo doesn't love me enough to stay in, does he? And so, uh, but they came around to the house, took a bank holiday. Why? Because Lucas loves us. You know, like, and it wasn't that because it was part of his job. It's not just because we pay his wages. You know, that's obviously, no, of course not, I... Uh, Howie, you, many of you all know Howie, he's a guy in our Latchford church, he lives three doors away from us, and every time we go to America, we see on our doorbell Howie just taking our bins out when we're not there, and he just goes round, he lets himself around the back, he puts the bin out and he collects it back, really simple, and you might think, well that's, that's just being a good neighbour. Well, love often might look like just being a good neighbour, right? Like, we have neighbours that we've had 
ever since Lindsay's been there. So like five years, four or five years, they've been there before Lindsay. But like, and I think our neighbors like us. I think they think we're fine, we're not noisy. When a ball comes over the fence, we don't stab it and pop it and send it over and go, there you go, kids. We're not those kind of neighbors. But there's no way those neighbors think we love them. You know, they think we're all right. And actually, I think, it makes me think, they're next to my life and have been for years. Actually, they need to know a little bit more that we care. And that's not just us saying, can you want to come to a carol service? Actually, it's us kind of saying, right, how can we show these people that their lives, feet away from ours, actually matter? They matter to us because they matter to God. And so that's the kind of challenge that, as I was putting this, I was like, oh, man. It's, it's one thing to say, who do you love the most? But it's actually one thing, would the people around your life recognize that you love them? Because actually, that's more important than saying, oh, well, I do actually love these people. If we look at these verses in Romans 12, some of these things incredibly difficult, some incredibly practical. So clinging to what is good, devoting to each other, honoring each other above ourselves, keeping our fervor, being joyful in hope, faithful in prayer, patient in affliction, sharing with those who need, and practicing hospitality. And I think on that list, we could do better by some willpower. People were created in the image of God and they have the capacity to love. We don't have a monopoly on the capacity to, you know, practice hospitality. Of course we don't. But actually some of those things are so hard to do just through your will. Just go, I'm just going to love more sincerely. I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm being devoted to other people. It's not probably going to work with just gritting your teeth. Actually what will happen is we'll get annoyed, we'll get dry, we'll get cynical. Actually, sprinkled among those is some of the things that we absolutely need. We need to cling to what is good. We need to be faithful in prayer because actually we need to keep our spiritual fervor because actually if we're doing things like that, if we're staying close to God, actually it's him who gives us the ability to love the people around us. Only when that happens can we really be able to be devoted to one another without going, I mean, I'll be devoted to him now, but how much longer do I have to do it? You know, and actually, we want to say, God, will you flow through us that the people around our lives will know that you love them because they feel it from us. And to do that, we massively need you to love through us because we cannot do that uh, ourselves. The, um, the next thing we see in love, love being sincere is that sincere love doesn't depend on how we're feeling doesn't depend on when you're having a good day or a bad day you know like it is difficult and these are the probably the verses that are the crux of the passage that we've been reading and so this is where the live in harmony fills in so if we read Romans 12 14 to 16 it says bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn live in harmony with one another don't be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. And that in that middle, verse 15, there's a verse there. And I've been in church all my life, which is over 30 years. And so uh, that's right, isn't it? I got, I think Adam James is biting his tongue. Are you want to say, no, over 30 years is accurate. I think we can move on. And so, uh, so and I don't reckon I'd ever really clocked that verse. There's a lot of verses you get told as you go through church. There's a lot of important verses and for some reason, that verse has never stood out to me. 
And then we got married, and we went on honeymoon to Seattle. Uh, Seattle, as you will, many of you will know, I'm ranking the U.S. states. It's a very important, very scientific rank, ranking based on how much joy it gives me, what's the best food. Seattle's all right on the joy. Food-wise, it's second. Well played, Seattle. Uh, we had a toffee apple and some incredible tacos. They were having a lovely time in Seattle, doing all the romantic things things and sightseeing you were doing your honeymoon. We went to a baseball game, which sounds like it'd be really boring, but it's four hours of snacking and a little game in the background. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And so we had a great time. And on the, the Saturday night, I read some stuff in the Bible. And as I was reading Romans 12, this verse came out, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And it kind of just popped out like nothing had popped out in that verse before. And I was like, oh man, that is tricky. Then we went to church the next morning, and the guy who preached said, I'm going to preach on Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I, I'm a bit of an idiot. And I'm a soft lad. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. I think you've got something to challenge me with there because you need, he, he often has to tell me twice. I mean, Lindsay has to tell me twice to do most things. So he'll definitely, uh, the Lord has to do that. And that rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I think that's so central to living in harmony with each other. Because it involves putting aside where we're at. It involves, if we're in a tough place, actually it doesn't matter on that. And depending on who you are, you might find rejoicing with those who rejoice or mourning with those who mourn. One of those you'll find more natural or easier than the others, I think. Um, if I was to start with mourn with those who mourn, those who find it difficult probably think, yeah, but I don't know what to say. And of course... Of course, we know when somebody, and it doesn't just mean mourning, but when people are in pain and having a really difficult time, we just think, but I wish I had the better words. I wish I had the answer. I wish I could fix these things or help them better. And then the more I kind of think that, then I think of the worst times in my life, and I think, I don't remember any advice that I was given in those times, apart from one guy who said, Dale, this bad thing's happened to you, but that doesn't give you the right to be an idiot. And I'm going to tell you, he didn't say the word idiot. He said a word I'm not saying in church, because I'm nicer than I. And so that's the only advice I remember, because I thought, that's a bit harsh. And I thought, that's fair enough, but it's a bit harsh. Everything else, I remember the people who were with me. I remember the people who came to me, who drove to me. I remember at my dad's funeral, I don't remember much about it, apart from I accused him cheating of uh, cheating at Monopoly. I stand by it. I know he couldn't defend himself, but I stand by it. Uh, all I remember about that otherwise is we went out for fish and chips afterwards, and, and Nick and Lucas came. I don't remember them saying anything, but I know they were there. You know, And that could be replicated across our lives loads and loads of times. Psalm 34, 18 tells us that Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so if the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, that means the Lord's people must, must be close to the brokenhearted. Because if people are in their worst and they're feeling broken, and we're trying to tell them God loves them, they will never understand that or hear that if they don't feel that God's people love them. You know, and so only if there's people sat with them and close to them, they might get it and go, well, if this person somehow loves me, Maybe, God, maybe there is a God who does care and who does love me. And so we have to be close to the broken hearted. Sarah read John 11. Uh, well, she talked about John 11 with Lazarus dying earlier, and I thought she was going to steal my preach, and I was ready to take her out. I was ready to go, Sarah, where I'm preaching on this later on, but uh, I let her go. And so in John 11, Lazarus dies, and as Sarah said, Mary and Martha were upset. And John 11:35 is one of the easiest verses in the Bible to learn. 
two words, Jesus wept, you're welcome. And so therefore, I could learn that one. I was like, tick, I've got one in the bank. Jesus wept, John 11:35. And you think he's crying because his mates died. That's a natural thing to think. But actually, if you read John 11 beforehand, Jesus is incredibly confident to say, oh, we are going to raise him from the dead. Like, we are going to raise him. He says it like twice. He gets the news uh, and says, like, Lazarus is sick. And he says, yeah, Lazarus is going to die. And then we're going to raise him. But he says, Lazarus will fall asleep and we will bring him back. And so people don't really understand it. And then he comes and his sister's like, oh, man, our brother's died. He wouldn't have died if you weren't here, uh, if he was here. And he said, don't worry, Lazarus will be resurrected. And she goes, oh, yeah, I understand in heaven Lazarus will be resurrected. And so he's like, oh, no, 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 he's going to be resurrected, you know, about now. But even in that, so Jesus isn't particularly worried that this is going to be a tragedy that's going to happen. It says that Jesus saw Mary weeping, and he saw the Jews who were with her weeping, and he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus didn't weep because it was a hopeless situation. He saw the pain of the people around him, and that moved him, and he wept. And so being close to the brokenhearted is something we have to do, even if we think, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know how to do this. You know, well, okay, we'll just sit with people and do just be there, and that is such a, an important thing. The second thing, which some of us might think we find easier, and I'm not sure I do, is rejoicing with those who rejoice. And you think we can all rejoice. When people have had a good day, it's easier to celebrate and party, isn't it? Well, it is until you're having a bad day, right? Until you're in pain. And if you're in pain and having a tricky situation, let's say you're having a real tough time at work and the relationships are hard and things are risky and you're not sure if they're going to keep you on. And somebody you know gets a promotion, your instant thing is, yeah, but what about me, Lord? <laughs> like, I'm really trying at this job. And it's really hard when you're in pain to kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm glad for you, but. So rejoicing when people rejoice is still hard. You know, and actually, I think, maybe not so much that, but I, you know, from lockdown, we all know what it is to live in sweatpants, right? That's the rule. That's what we do. We all go home. We all go, oh, yeah, let's get out of these clothes and into some sweatpants. Lovely stuff. That's what we want to do. And so if somebody was calling me or texting me and Lindsay and we knew it was a, an emergency or we knew it was they were in trouble and they were having a tough time, we'd get up and we'd do what we can to go to them because we think that matters. But if somebody said, hey, do you want to come to my birthday? It's my 34th. We'd be a bit like, Phew. I mean, yeah, we could, but it's 34, doesn't really matter, does it? And, and like, it just, it's amazing when you'd be like, oh, yeah, but I am comfortable. And what are we doing Saturday? Oh, we're not busy. Oh, we have to go. And it's terrible when, because you just think, is it worth it? I'll be there for you in an emergency, but actually, is this worth it? Well, actually, we all know what it is to have an event and put something on, or whether it's a birthday or a big day in our life, and you invite people and not loads of people come. And you don't feel very loved, right? You feel like, oh, man, what's wrong with me? You know, why have not a lot of people turned up? Or why didn't they come? So actually, celebrating with people who celebrate, even if it's not a major thing, is so important. Because otherwise, our people are going to feel loved. You know, and it might be that someone's got a new dog and you might think, shrug. It's a massive shrug. Well, maybe, Della, you need to get over it and go and visit their dog and pretend that their dog's nice, even though they're making a mistake with their lives. You know, and so, uh, yeah, that's fine. If you want to invite me around to meet your new dog, then fair play to you. And so... Yeah, we have graduation at uni um, in about a month. I love graduation. I've shared about it before. And so, because we get the opportunity to see these students, they're with their parents, and you get to say, hey, your kid did so well. 
and the kid gets really embarrassed and the, you get to say, oh no, they did so well, we're so proud of them. We're looking forward to their job next year. We're looking forward to hearing from them. And the kid's like, I hate this, but I also quite like this. Because like, this is embarrassing, but nobody does that. Nobody just says in front of the people that matter to you, this person's amazing. It doesn't happen. So every year on the kind of, when we find out when the graduation week is, we try and make sure where possible we're there because I want to be that good embarrassment to my students. Those kids who spent three years with us, and that includes, you know, your Imogens and your Patricks and your Ellies and your Gabbies, as well as your Joshes that come to my office, even though they're not on the accounting and finance course. I'm not sure I can break into their graduation and just go, hello, law graduation. Let me tell you about Ellie. Uh, I don't know if I can do that. I'll try it, though. I'll just, no, Ellie's quite up for that. She's like, you're going to say nice things. It's fine, isn't it? It's fine. But it's so easy to go, well, that's a big event, but actually smaller events, is it worth my time? You know, we know, we've heard that Patrick and Imogen got engaged this week. It's very exciting, very exciting, right? And so they're, they're very much enjoying being the center of that attention there. And so Patrick got, got engaged. I only found out from Instagram like the rest of you. Don't worry about it. Me and Patrick have talked about it. We've had it out. No, we're all right. And so I found out from Lindsay on Instagram. She tells me the things that are on. And she's like, she didn't even tell me. She just went, look at this. And I was all right. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And so it was very exciting. The first thought was, right, when can I get time with Patrick to just let him tell me about the day and celebrate that day? So we sorted out a time this week. We were going to go. We went out on Wednesday. Do you know what happens on Wednesday? Work all of a sudden goes, oh, man, you've got too much on. You're not even ready for Sunday. Do you reckon Patrick would mind if I just push it back? And it was just like, oh, my goodness. I'm about to preach on celebrating people who deserve to be celebrated. And all of a sudden, that busyness of life goes... Oh, you, you can't do this. He won't mind. He'll be all right. And it's nonsense. I went out. We had a great time. We had a great few hours. I came back. I was telling Lindsay all about it. I was beaming. Because it matters to celebrate people when they've got things to celebrate. And we need to be people uh, who did that. Limitless, we all, many of you will know we're about to go to Limitless. Um, we've got a video. It's got no sound. We don't need the sound on this. I'll just talk while the sound's on. And so times like this are the greatest times in our life as youth leaders where we get to stand around and they, like, we get to pray with people, we get to see what God's done in their lives. We get to see this incredible stuff where actually we're like, this is worth everything. Let me tell you, we're a month out of Limitless and there are days where it doesn't feel like it's worth everything because we are yet to put everybody in their tents. We are yet to take on the man. He's not asleep. He's having a wonderful moment, all right? And so uh, I can't convince, I can't, promise you that he falls asleep a lot and so um but yeah we're about to kind of go who goes in that tent who goes in that tent and is it that is a stress but when you get there you think of course why 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 wouldn't we do everything we can do for this you know of course it's worth putting it together and all that kind of stuff jesus's first miracle like his first hey lim what's going on out there steam engine oh lim you don't get this in latchford and so um so I'm going to have to wait, aren't I? He's going to take some time. There you go, son. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. I see him. I see him. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I was in a real deep point there. And so, uh, oh, shame. Anyway, Jesus, right? Jesus, his first miracle in the book of John, his first miracle, turning water into wine. Like, that's the first one that's written down. And, you know, if you were trying to be strategic with Jesus, you'd be like, oh, Jesus, don't do that one first. Do a healing. Do a raising from the dead. That's a good start. You know, walking on water is pretty cool. 
water into wine. Seems a bit pointless, right? Seems a bit like, well, Jesus is celebrating a person who's celebrating. And actually, he's just part of it. And he's saying, do you know what? People who are celebrating deserve to be celebrated. And if you want to go, oh, yeah, but don't worry, it'll be non-Christian wine. If that helps you sleep at night, fine. You believe what you want. That's fine. And so I'm aware our time is, is kind of gone. And so yeah, just that, that kind of verses that we were talking about, about rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn, it involves stepping outside of where we're at. And so it doesn't depend on how we're feeling. It doesn't depend, really, if people treat us well. You know, like, because actually, um, some verses that Jesus talk about is, um, yeah, he's quite honest, and the, we won't go into all the verses in Romans there, but it talks about don't repay people evil for evil. Don't get revenge even if it might feel good. We've got to be higher than that. We've got to be better than that. And in Matthew 5, it's not going to come up on the screen, but Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you might be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Do not even the tax collectors do that. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so the kind of question that kind of kept coming to me when I was reading this is, how many people with different beliefs or attitudes than me will think that I love them? How many people around my life, they'd be like, Dell's all right. Okay, but how many people think that I love them? And I'm, that is a small number. And that's a challenge to me. I think at graduation, those students will know that I love them in an appropriate way. And so they will know, like, they will know that, like, this guy cares. Like, he cares. But actually, that needs to be replicated amongst the colleagues that share my office that believe different things to me, with the neighbors either side of us that we don't know much about their lives. The people who are different, not just saying, do we love them, but do they feel that we love them? Because that's a bigger test than whether we would say we love them or not. And so to finish it, uh, the final thing is that sincere love, and we've hinted it already, has to come from being transformed. It's not an act of will. It's not that something we do ourselves. It's not just a, right, how do we love harder and how do we go more? And this whole thing in Romans 12, talking about how do we love each other, how do we love outside of the church, well, the whole part of Romans 12 starts with these two verses, in 12 verses 1 and 2. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to be people who lay our lives down again and again, that God would make something out of us, and he would transform our minds, and then we would know what it is to love sincerely. Because Jesus did this all the time. He loved everybody who was around all the time, over and over, and we need to say, God, will you just help us? Because otherwise we can just go, well, I think I'm doing enough, and we can be just the same as everybody else. So God, would you just help us? We just, we want to be people who know what it is to sincerely love those around us, whether they are the people close to our lives, whether they're similar to us or different to us. We want to have different hearts. We don't want to be the same as everybody else because God, you live in us. And if you live in us, we want that to show to this world that needs to know that they're loved. 
And so, God, I pray that you would overpower us, that you would fill us afresh again, that you would renew our hearts and renew our minds, that we would know what it is to be your children and know what it is to love in that sincere way. Help us, we pray. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.